Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee, and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to find stubborn weight loss. What is Nourish Mail? Nourish Mail is all about finding nourishment through your health, through nutrition and fitness, but also through careers, family, and finances. This podcast is strictly for women only. We talk about various topics, including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because an episode will be released every single week. Okay, hi everyone. Today we have a special podcast because I'm talking not to a PCOS coach, but also a registered dietitian and a woman's health expert. Her name is Corey Levin, and I actually found out about her through Instagram. I was really inspired by her work and all her, mm, her information that she shares to her audience because it's really informative and it's very, very genuine. And I find that it really helps us to understand our bodies better. So today I'm going to let Corey do most of the talking about not only PCOS, but also nutrition, um, women's health, gut health, and weight management. So welcome, Corey. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so let's get started. Who yeah. are, you know, who are my listeners re- listening to Yeah. um, So I, uh, thank you for the intro. My name is Corey Levin and I am a registered dietitian who works in women's health. Um, So basically I I work with women um, all over the country. I work virtually um, and I work with them on hormone balance, um, digestion, fertility, and weight management and how it all kind of relates to nutrition. Um, Mm -hmm. There is so much misinformation out there when it comes to nutrition and women's health and women's health in general can be extremely complex. Um, And so my job is to really, you know, work with patients to figure out exactly what nutrition plan is going to be best for them. And I work with a variety of conditions, PCOS just being one of them. Um, But I also work around, you know, endometriosis, Hashimoto's, um, IBS, infertility, um, assisted reproductive technology and kind of how nutrition relates to that. So all different kinds of women from all walks of life, um, pregnancy, postpartum. Yeah. So wow. I love this area. Um, I've been into, I've been just a total endocrinology nerd forever. Um, and I don't really know where that stemmed from, but, um, I mean, I guess a lot of it comes from personal experience too. You know, I've had, you know, of course my own, I'm human too. And I've had my own issues with that. So learning as much as I could about that and kind of how nutrition relates to that while I was getting my master's degree and doing my internship was, um, was crucial and kind of helping me form the private practice that I run now. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I was going to ask you like why, you know, as a registered dietitian, you could work with anyone. Um, kind of curious as to why you would work with women and you said you had something also personally what what sure yeah absolutely um and I think every dietitian has their own backstory you know why they specialize in what they specialize in probably the same goes for you know lawyers and doctors too um but I so I actually have PCOS as well um I was diagnosed a couple years ago but I knew that I had it (laughs) for a while um yeah, and then I also went through a couple bouts of what uh, what's called hypothalamic amenorrhea, and I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Um, we kind of shorten it to HA, um, yeah. but it's basically 
hypothalamic amenorrhea is a little bit lesser known than PCOS, I think. Um, it's a little bit less common, but it's, it's very common in, in very active women. So we see it a lot in female athletes. Um, so it's basically when you um, are not eating enough and you're exercising too much and your body kind of perceives that as stress. And what happens is it shuts down your reproductive function. So you basically stop having a period. Um, and so that happened to me a couple times when I, um, you know, I started getting really into health and wellness and I, I think I took it a little bit too far. Um, and everyone has their own unique, what we call a set point. And that's what the, the weight that your body is comfortable at. So you might have an idea in your head, you know, a, concept, a preconception in your mind about what your body, ideal body looks like, but your body physically has has a range that it likes to stay at. And when you go below that weight or above as well, your reproductive function can sometimes get thrown off. Um, and so when that happened to me, I had just started out on my, you know, I, I was in school about six and a half years to become a dietitian. And I had just started out in nutrition when that was going on. And I really, I didn't know what it was. And I, I you know, I tried to do a ton of, I, one of my biggest things I'm kind of reasons why I love um, nutrition is because I am a huge research nerd. So I will dig into research and just, you know, no, I won't stop until I find the answer. Um, and so I, I did that with, um, with hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I, I found out a lot of, of crucial information that, that is not so, so talked about. It's not so easy to find. Um, right. And I, you know, the same goes for PCOS too. There's so much information out there. And um, one of the, one of the th big things that, you know, I, I'm proud of being a dietitian is to be able to keep going back to evidence-based practice and care mm -hmm. and really using what the research, you know, designates and um, as being the most beneficial for women with, uh, with polycystic ovary syndrome. Yeah. So yeah. I have many questions there. So yeah. um, I do also know, you know, some people, my friends who don't have, you know, periods and then one of them actually, she, she got um, diagnosed with HA and right. then because she was also overtraining, but then lately, you know, she's been correcting her diet and then her periods came back. So just like a little kind of quick tip here for anyone who's listening who doesn't have periods or who might have HA, like what kind of um, changes would she have to do with her diet to, you know, kind of balance that out? Yeah, good question. It it really varies per person, um, which is which is why I always recommend working with an expert because every every body is so different. Um, but I guess general guidelines for for HA um, would be to take a look at have the number of calories that you're eating, um, and not just calories, but take a look at the macronutrient composition within that. So take a look at your ratio of fats to carbohydrates to protein. A lot of times I see women not eating enough fat um, and that can be, that alone can cause HA because fat is critical for hormone balance and actually our sex hormones are derived from cholesterol. Um, so it's really, really important to make sure you're eating enough dietary fat. So that's definitely one that I would look at. And then look at your exercise schedule. How much are you training? Um, is that too much for your body to handle? And it's really because it's so individual and everybody kind of has their own unique threshold to what their body considers too much or just right, it's kind of a trial and error. You kind of have to test around and, or, you know, test different strategies and see what works for you. So um, the first thing I would probably do is with any, with any patient that comes to me with, with hormone issues, I like to do what's called the Dutch hormone test. I'm not sure. Have you heard of the Dutch? Have you done, uh, have you done it? Heard my, my functional medicine doctor, she actually, um, asked me if I would like to do it and I did some hormone mm. testing and that helped a lot. 
Awesome. Yeah, totally. It's a great tool. It just gives us more data, which is data is extremely important when we're talking about hormones um, and, and health. So the Dutch hormone test basically tests your sex hormone metabolites. So it goes kind of above and beyond what the standard blood test you might get at the doctor does. So we're testing things like um, estrogen and progesterone, but we're also looking for to look at see, see how your body's metabolizing and detoxifying its estrogen. And then we're looking at cortisol levels throughout the day. Cortisol is our stress hormone. And that's extremely important when we're talking about both PCOS and HA. Um, you know, what are your stress levels throughout the day? What are they in the morning versus what are they at night? Um, looking at your adrenal function and then looking at your androgen profile, which is really important for PCOS specifically. Um, but first I like to see, you know, what's the baseline? What what data, what can we extract from the data um, that comes in as far as where your hormones are at and what they're doing? Because that will be, that's kind of our compass in guiding us to see exactly what we need to work on. Um, and I always recommend, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't end up doing the Dutch test for whatever reason, but I do recommend starting there because then we're able to get, you know, actual results that we can implement into our work together. We're not just kind of poking around in the dark, like maybe yeah, this will work, maybe yeah. this will work. Yeah. It is, it is, um, extremely conclusive. So yeah, I really like, I would probably start there um, and take a look at eating habits, exercise, and stress. And that's a big one because I think a lot of people are stressed now and oh, yeah. girls, they, you know, they do tend to overexercise, even though they might have periods, but they still are putting so much stress on their bodies. So that's yeah. a really good tool to know yeah. about. Totally. Sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am a provider for the Dutch. So um, that's something that I administer in my practice. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so then what about um, in terms of fertility wise, like would they also go, you know, do the Dutch test? Like would that help? Yeah, that, that would definitely help. Um, I would do the Dutch test for any kind of fertility concerns as well. Um, then we can see what your progesterone to estrogen ratio would be. So when you ovulate, you know, in order to get pregnant naturally, you have to ovulate. Um, which is a couple weeks usually before your period is supposed to come. So I would want to see the balance between estrogen and progesterone because you know the ratio of estrogen to progesterone have, has different requirements in different parts of your cycle. So if you're producing not enough progesterone, you've got a ton of estrogen, that's a huge red flag that we need to work on that area and getting your progesterone levels up. And we can do all of that um, you know, through good nutrition, which is so incredibly fascinating and amazing. Um, and one of the reasons that I, I really just believe in food being, you know, medicine. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what would you, you know, kind of say to someone who's like, oh, I've tried like every diet and like, yeah, I've, you know, been trying to eat more healthy fats and but my periods are still irregular. Um, you know, I kind of still, I don't have, like, I can't get pregnant, that kind of thing. Like, what would you, you know, kind of, consult them about? Yeah. So um, again, I would probably look at the reasons, try to find the reason why, um, and really getting to the, to the why and the internal, excuse me, the internal source of, of where that's coming from. So it could really vary. You know, it's sometimes it's um, a woman might come with low AMH, which is our anti-malarian hormone, which kind of um, points us to our egg reserve. 
And, you know, having, having, not only having enough eggs, but having eggs that are high quality is extremely important for fertility. So that's something, you know, we're, we're born with all the eggs that we'll, we'll ever have as women, whereas men produce new sperm, you know, every few months. Mm -hmm. Um, so we really have to focus on a diet that helps to nourish our egg health and our egg quality. And there are specific nutrients that do that as well. So that's kind of where I would start with that. I would want to see what the current, what, what her current diet is and see how we can make changes in order to um, promote egg quality if that was the issue you know if it was a hormone balance issue then we would do the Dutch test and figure out you know exactly what's out of whack and work to kind of get that back in place um, if she's not ovulating at all then we would look at the reasons why if it's PCOS then we work on insulin resistance and blood sugar balance um, so I work with a lot of PCOS patients um, who come to me, you know, with insulin resistance and diet is, is arguably the best way to balance blood sugars and promote regular ovulation. Because when our blood sugar is all over the place, it sends messages to our ovaries to pump out more testosterone. And that is exactly why we're not ovulating to begin with. So starting with a healthy diet with PCOS is crucial. Um, and that's the first thing that we always look at is blood sugar balance if it's PCOS. So it kind of depends on the cause um, of why, why the woman is not getting pregnant. There's so many reasons. Um, but the, also the good part is there's so much work that can be done um, to help fix that um, yeah. as far as our work together goes. And I, I was actually really interested in that because if someone would, you know, if someone has PCOS and she knows she has a hormonal imbalance, like and she wants to get pregnant, but not right away, maybe in two to three years, how far in advance should she care about egg quality? Yeah, good question. Um, so I would, I mean, minimum is three months. <laughs> That's like the absolute minimum. So, um, but I would, it's never too late because to be honest, and in, in reality, we don't, everyone is different in the term, in, in terms of how, um, how long they are able to be fertile. Some, you know, it's kind of, sometimes it's genetically built in. I mean, some, some women start menopause earlier than others and some women's egg quality is less, you know, at age 35, whereas some women are totally fine. So it, you, because we don't really know what, what our unique makeup is in that sense, then I would, I would start now. And there's plenty of things that you can do, you know, that are, aren't hardcore necessarily, but that still help to promote egg health. Um, you know, even if you're several years out. That's great because I may or may not have um, asked that out of like yeah. personal. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, in terms of improving egg health, like what is like kind of one full food or one kind of tip to improve that? Like, if someone yeah. wants to in improve it right now. Yeah, good question. Um, one tip I could say would be to start supplementing with what's called CO2. <laughs> CoQ10, um, coenzyme Q10. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that is a great and amazing supplement as far as boosting egg health and egg quality. Mm -hmm. um, and I would recommend starting with, you know, 200 milligrams of CoQ10 a day um, mm -hmm. and maybe going up to 400 if you're looking to conceive in the next several months. I see. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So hopefully that would be something yeah. that, you know, someone out there listening would be kind of interested or aware yeah. um so what is one thing about fertility that women should know and understand like i know there are so many topics about it but like what is one thing that should they should like get it right basically uh, hmm. 
this is kind of, I, I read this, you know, cause you sent me this question and I was thinking about, okay, this, what, what do I answer? I'm going to go the, the opposite of what I was going to say. Cause mm -hmm. I'm feeling, uh, it's Friday and I'm feeling, feeling a little bit daring. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, don't just look at yourself. So what I mean when I say that is what is the health of your partner? It takes two to tango. Um, when you're looking to conceive and I often find in my practice and I wrote about this the other day and I did a blog post for food period about this the other day um, women often come to me you know struggling with fertility and when I ask them okay thank you for telling me everything about you yeah. what about your partner what's the health of your partner like they have no idea they don't they don't know what the sperm analysis is you know that is an integral piece to this puzzle because it, like I said, it takes two to tango. So don't take it all on yourself. Think about the other 50%. There's a, I mean, many different causes of infertility have to do with the male partner. So look at the health of your partner, um, you know, get a sperm analysis done. They're going to check for volume and concentration. They're going to de detect uh, motility. They're going to detect morphology, which is like the size and the shape of the sperm. And then look at your partner's lifestyle habits too. Is he a smoker? Does he drink a lot? Um, there's all different kinds of factors that play into to men's health in, in this regard as well. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of my, I've been on a little bit of a, a tirade lately on that because I feel like women tend to just want to shoulder it all. And the truth is, is that it's, they're only 50% of this and men make up the other. So yeah. if you're thinking about, you know, your fertility journey, don't ignore the other half of the, half the equation um, and really, you know, get a good understanding of what your partner's health is as well. And this is like, this is bringing to mind the show, The Handmaid's Tale, because oh. in that show, everyone's like, oh yeah, if you're, you know, like they put it all on the women, right? And exactly. like they kind of cover it up if the man is the problem, so. Exactly, totally. And it's, it's so not that way. Um, yeah, so that would be my number one tip is to look at both sides of the equation. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, so then what is, so that's fertility, right? So what? Like overall women's health, what would be the like the biggest kind of myth of misconception? Ooh, biggest myth con misconception about women's health. Yeah. I can think of a lot right now. Yeah. My friends would tell me this and that and I'm like, Are you sure that's true? Like Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like, well, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe, I don't know why my mind's drifting to like all the mm. fad and trendy diets, you know, um, oh, yeah. okay. that can be restrictive and, um, hormone balance. You know, what do you think about keto for hormonal balance? Um, I'm not a keto proponent, um, even for PCOS, mm. um, keto. The thing about keto is that it is highly restrictive. Um, yeah. and when we're talking about fertility and hormone balance, you know, not, I'm keep saying fertility, not just fertility, but hormone balance in general. Mm -hmm. Um, the key is consistency. And in order to stay in a ketogenic state, it is extremely, you have to be extremely disciplined. And I mean, there are no, so to say, you know, cheat days when you, when you eat yeah. something and you're out of keto, you're out of keto and then you have to go back and start the whole process. So when I'm talking to patients and, you know, in, in my practice and we're talking about what's the best route for them in terms of, you know, helping to mitigate some of the unwanted hormonal imbalance symptoms. Um, we focus on diets that are sustainable over term, over the long run. So keto may get you 
great results after two months. Once you go back to eating a cracker, I mean, it's all just going to come, any weight loss that you've achieved is likely to just pile right back, right back on. Mm -hmm. So I would rather focus on strategies that are more flexible and more achievable in the long run, because I don't want to teach my patients these lifestyle techniques and then say, all right, see you later. Have a good time. I want them to be able to take these and really um, absorb them and be able to integrate them into their daily lives for the rest of their lives. Because this is nutrition is a long game. It's not yeah. something you do for two months and then boom, you're done. It's something that you do over time. So um, that's my keto. Okay. <laughs> keto. That's a good answer because, and also I feel like people, um, a lot of people don't do keto, even if they're on it, they don't really do it properly because they're they not like, measuring their ketones. They're just exactly. thinking, oh, I might be in ketosis, but like. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. There's a whole, you're right. There's a whole aspect of, are you even accurate yeah. Are you, yeah like scientifically accurate right like yes. even measuring it right um that's a good one i have i have another question what about intermittent fasting for women yeah so intermittent fasting i think can be uh great for men but when we're talking about women's health um fasting can really disrupt the delicate balance that our hormones require in order to um actively work properly. So what I mean when I say that is, you know, when you're going long stretches of time without food, it's stressful to your body and your body might respond in the, you know, in weight loss, but in terms of internal stress, it could absolutely mess that up. Um, and I've seen it many times and I, I won't, I won't practice and I won't treat, um, patients that are wanting to do intermittent fasting because I, from everything that I've seen and read, it is, you know, the research out there, um, it can be harmful in terms of hormone balance, which requires very, you know, it's delicate and there's so many things, so many factors involved. Um, the other part about intermittent fasting is that it can sometimes disrupt our blood sugar. Um, when we go really long periods without eating, our blood sugar dips really, really low. And then when we finally eat again, our blood sugar can spike high. And even, even you know, taking the PCOS and the diabetes and all of these components out of this, blood sugar balance is extremely important for hormone balance because when our blood sugar is out of whack, our cortisol gets amped up as well. And cortisol can help. Cortisol is basically a precursor for progesterone. And we need progesterone every single month. I mean, that is our calming hormone. That's our luteal phase hormone. So blood sugar balance can lead to basically irregular irregularities in how our cortisol and then thus progesterone is being produced. Um, yeah. And it can be stressful on the body, like I said. And when we're talking about hormone balance, we are aiming to reduce stress. So I actually don't, um, I don't ever treat anybody um, mm -hmm. who wants to do intermittent fasting. I like to find more flexible, sustainable approaches, like right. I said. Okay. okay. So everything sustainable, kind of, you know, long-term. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And the, you know, as a dietitian, there's, there's different diets that pop up all the time. You know, um, keto, keto is not necessarily a fad diet because it, it is absolutely helpful, um, for people with seizures. Um, it's actually, you know, a known diet to be beneficial for that. Um, but there's, you know, throughout the, the trajectory of my career, there's been many things that have popped up and there will be many more, um, you know, and, we, we always come back to, and most of the dietitians that I um, networked with, you know, we, we always come back to balance and sustainability yeah. and that's what works long-term. It's, you know, it's not a hardcore restrictive 30 day boot camp. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something so poor. You have all these extremes. 
Right. Okay. Right. And with hormone balance and, you know, the lens that I practice through, it's, we try to avoid the extremes. We want to keep yeah. your body in, in a nice balance. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, so what about, you know, other areas kind of like sleep? Um, do you address that as well? Like, I yeah. mean, I would think Absolutely. that nutrition is kind of first and then what goes on from mm -hmm. there? Like, yeah, totally. So, um, I bring a lot of different you know, different pieces into my practice. So not just nutrition, but I look at digestion. I look at the health of your gut. I look at sleep. Um, all these are incredibly connected. And I often find when one is out of whack, improving on it tends to improve the others. So I see that a lot, you know, where a client will come to me with um, a couple different digestion issues, maybe, um, maybe bloating after meals. Yeah. And then after a few months, even when that is not our main focus, but it, you know, we're still kind of tracking it, paying attention to it, trying to fix it, trying to address it. it. It markedly improves because everything else that we're working on is kind of working together synergistically to kind of um, improve. So I notice that a lot, but it's definitely, uh, I look at all those factors in my practice. We don't just sit and talk about food as much as we want to. There are other pieces to the puzzle that are important. Yeah. yeah. And what's the, you know, I do find even with me, like I do work with hormone balancing foods with my clients first. Uh -huh. um, what, what is the main trouble that you see with your clients have? Like, is it, you know, avoiding what they love to eat or kind of cutting out the sugar or like, what's the, you know, what's their biggest challenge? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, it ranges so much. Um, like the most common one. Most common. There's a few that come to mind. Um, one of the most common ones, I think, is um, cutting out caffeine. That is a very big oh, one. Oh, that's a big um, one. Yeah, that's a big one. So, you know, we do a lot of work around let's, you know, if it, you know, if for some people it's definitely more important than others. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So if, if that's an issue, you know, we'll come up with different strategies to create alternatives. Um, mm -hmm. Sugar cravings are a big one, um, you know, feeling, you know, within that feeling, feelings of uncontrollable, you know, eating around sugar and things like that. Yeah. Um, that's a big one. I think um, emotional eating or feeling guilty after eating something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty common too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. I recently had that with one of my clients and she didn't know that she was feeling so stressed when she was, you know, trying to eat and I'm like, you know, just remove that stress. Like we should target that stress before, you know, we even approach the nutrition part. Cause yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's a huge thing you want to tackle before because it's, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's the food, but it's something else as well. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, it's something kind of before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what about um, women with uh, endometriosis? So mm -hmm. I, I feel like we haven't touched on that for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Endometriosis. Um, so nutrition and endometriosis is all about mitigating symptoms for endometriosis. Nutrition is not a cure. Um, it is, it's definitely not a cure, um, but it is something that you can modify in order to help improve symptoms. So uh, we, we do a lot of work on um, anti-inflammatory foods, so really focusing on different nutrients, um, foods, and supplements that help to bring down the body's inflammatory response um, mm -hmm. and thus the pain response. 
Um, we work on foods that are high in antioxidants, um, immunity boosting foods. And then we'll also, you know, we'll talk about too, as far as general hormone balance goes, you know, how can we eat throughout the cycle in order to help optimize our hormonal flow? Because it, there's definitely a time that endometriosis pops up the most for everybody. So yeah, talking about kind of what foods to eat during which phases of your cycle. Yeah, and those of you who do not know endometriosis is really painful. Mm -hmm. um, it's where, you know, the lining of the uterus grows outside of the uterus, and it's very common to involve ovaries and all the other reproductive organs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was such good information. Yeah. So good. Um, so I want to ask you, why do you think, you know, women currently, we have kind of negative notions about our periods like we always complain about it there's nothing really good about like i want to live in a time where everyone's like yeah got my period today like i know about it yeah. oh it's so true i love that you asked this question because it's so it's so real and such a real part about you know being a woman and yeah. it's so funny when 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 i have you know when there are women who are missing their cycle women with pcos women with hypothalamic amenorrhea it is like the biggest, most exciting thing when that period comes back. And then women who have periods every month, it's just yeah. like this annoying nuisance. So it's one of those things where it's like, you don't appreciate it yeah. you know, while it's there. But once yeah. it goes away, man, you are like, I, where is it? Yeah. You're <laughs> like, back. in the first place, you're like, take it away. You know, you exactly. go on feel this exactly yeah. totally yeah so um it's one of those things where you know it's it, it is for for somebody who is having a period every month i think there's i honestly i honestly believe that um if men had periods they would not be a gross thing they would not be a big deal everybody would be talking about them i honestly believe that yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> However, it is not the case. Um, and I, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of stigma. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of stigma just surrounding menstrual health in general. There's a lot of elusivity. Um, there's misinformation. You know, we get only, I mean, I, you know, here in the US, we get, I think, I think I remember getting one quarter of, of education in high school about, um, you know, sexual health. And yeah. I think that was like, a month or two, <laughs> which is just so not enough. Um, and it's, it's amazing how, how little most of us know about this extremely important aspect of our lives. And, you know, I, I was the same way before I got into nutrition, you know, I, I didn't know, and that's okay. But, but learning and empowering yourself to kind of become more educated and, you know, doing what you're doing and, you know, helping other women is just so such important work. Um, and it, I think, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I'm always hoping that whatever I'm doing out there is, you know, even if like, for instance, my, my Instagram, even yeah. for women that are following my Instagram who aren't necessarily, you know, super into hormone health or anything like that, if they're following me for whatever reason, I hope that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm changing their mind a little bit and kind of lessening kind of, you know, make, making that stigma disappear a little bit and just mm -hmm. talking about it, just talking about it in general is so helpful yeah. and goes so far in terms of reducing that, that kind of negative connotation that we have surrounding our menstrual health, because it, it is part of our lives. And for many of us, it's, you know, it's something that we deal with every single month. So it's, you might as well be educated on it and get to know exactly what's going on. And that way, if something's going wrong, 
you can better be able to spot that and seek the right help. Yeah, for sure. And this is why we do what we do, right? Like we, you know, we try to, we're like period obsessed. We always talk about it. And yeah. It's weird. <laughs> but like, I don't know, someday someone will kind of click in their mind maybe. Yes. Oh yeah, I do. I should celebrate my period or something. Totally. Absolutely. I know. I, there was a big piece of me that, and I'm sure you felt this too, you know, before I got into the work that I'm doing, there was a piece of me that was kind of scared to do that. And oh my gosh, you know, I'm just going to talk about periods on my Instagram. That's so crazy. Um, but I, I can't imagine doing other work that I'm doing work other than what I'm doing right now, because, you know, like you said, it's, it's, um, it's just so helpful. Yeah. And when you see, you know, your client's life changing, you really feel the effect, like this yes. is working and you, we know it for ourselves because, you know, it has worked for us. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah. So basically kind of wrapping it up, I do want my listeners to know a little bit about you. So what kind of exercise do you do and what is one thing that you need to eat every day? Yeah. So, um, I was going to mention this earlier too. So you just, and you just said, um, you know, working from our own experience and we know that changing our diet is helpful for us. Um, so like I mentioned, I, I have PCOS and I, um, I had very irregular cycles for a very long time. Um, and I completely changed my diet, um, to the diet that I am currently typically prescribing to a lot of PCOS patients now. Um, like I said, everyone's different, so it's a little bit tweaked, but, um, but one of the things that, uh, you know, I really wanted to work on was blood sugar balance through nutrition. And I ended up actually, um, getting pregnant. So I was able to change my diet, um, you know, did a total 180 on it. And I was able to ovulate successfully, you know, for several cycles. And then I got pregnant, which was awesome and very exciting because awesome. yeah <laughs> yeah PCOS women yeah definitely. yes totally yeah exactly so you know sometimes with PCOS you wonder you know is this going to happen for me and the answer is 100,000% it can yes um you have to make the right modifications um because it's not it's a totally different ball game than somebody without PCOS um but yeah so so you know using my own experience, um, to help work with others and also to help, you know, to help myself as well in learning, you know, using, applying the knowledge that I have to my own self as well has been obviously, you know, so incredibly helpful. Um, so that's been a, a really exciting and great journey that I was able to embark on. Um, so yeah, so my, said that by the way, yeah um especially for people who have troubles conceiving now they'll be like yep. oh there's someone who you know who could conceive and like it's absolutely awesome. i'm really glad that you shared that yeah thank you yeah i hope that it's an i hope it's helpful um but so my exercise routine before you know was was real pretty moderate you know i don't go super super intense um like I said, I suffered from HA in the past where I did way too much exercise. So I tend to keep it on the more moderate side, but right now I'm just doing walks. Um, and the food that I'm eating all the time is, um, sweet potatoes. I've always loved sweet potatoes. I don't know why. Um, I've eaten them like almost every single day, I think for years. So, um, what's your favorite way to cook them? Yeah, I just bake them and then I'll put maybe like cinnamon on it, coconut oil, peanut butter, 
I have a sweet tooth, so I'll kind of do that. Um, <laughs> but I, I love sweet potatoes and I've been eating them every day for, for years. And now I feed them to my dogs. <laughs> she gets them too. <laughs> I yeah. should feed it to my cat. Can cats eat sweet potatoes? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, actually. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Good question. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, this has been so fun, Melissa. I'm so glad that we got to chat today. And um, yeah, I, I hope that, you know, some of the, the things that I said were helpful and resonate with some of your listeners. Yeah, um, I'm so glad to have you. It was so fun talking. It was like a casual chat. Yeah, it totally was. Loved it. Um, so for anyone who wants to find you, where can they find you? And also, do you have any resources to share with them? Sure. Um, so where you can find me is um, my Instagram is at the women's dietitian. And dietitian is D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. Um, and then you can also find me at www.thewomensdietitian.com. That's my site. Um, and a good resource, I actually just put this up um, on my site, is a downloadable guide. Um, it's a free hormone balancing. It's seven daily steps that will boost your hormone balance. Um, and I just created it seven pages full of really helpful information and worksheets. And there's also a bonus list of all my favorite coffee substitutions. Um, if you're looking into that as well. So I encourage you to check that out and download that guide. Um, I, you know, I spent a lot of time putting it together and I hope that it's helpful. Nice. I will yeah. put all the links in the show notes and Ooh. I can actually download the guide for myself. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you again. Uh, we might have you on, you know, in the future, whenever, maybe Sounds after child's born. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so thank you. All right. Thank you so much.